I am a girl in the middle, stuck in between my older brother Ray and baby sister Rose. Being in the middle means I have my brother bossing me around, telling me what to do, do that. It means I am called on to help out with baby Rose when she needs to be rocked, fed, changed. It means Ray gets more privileges because he is the oldest and can stay home by himself sometimes and gets up to stay later at night. Being in the middle means when we get in the back of the car, Rose is strapped in her car seat on the passenger side where I used to sit. And Ray is at the other window right behind the driver's seat. I am in the middle. Hello and welcome to the September edition of Black Book Talk. I'm Patricia Welch, Librarian Emeritus, and with me are... Emma Jackson Ford, Bookwoman. Hello. Obi Hill, Community Historian. And our special and quite frankly favorite guest is with us today, Portland's own Renee Watson. Hey, Renee, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me again. And we are talking about your latest, well, your next to latest book. We'll talk about the late, late, latest one a little later. You are such a prolific writer. But please tell us a little bit about your new book. OB was reading an excerpt from it. And uh, we are happy to introduce our audience to it. So the new installment of the Ryan Hart series is Ways to Share Joy. And uh, this book picks up where everything left off. Ryan now has a baby sister. So she's figuring out how to be both a younger sister to her brother and an older sister to the new one that's been born into the family. And she's also navigating friendship. She's kind of caught in the middle of her two best friends trying to figure out the difference between being a best friend and a good friend. Uh, and so, yeah, she's, she's still growing and learning and having adventures. She goes to Vernon Elementary School in Northeast Portland, which is where I went as a child and I lived in Oregon. And so, yeah, I'm excited to continue the series and to share more of her um, growth and development with readers. Now that the, the trilogy is finished, what are the plans for what next? So there's actually one more book coming in this series. So there will be four books in the Ryan Hart series. Uh, we leave off in the middle of her fifth grade year and so the last book of the series will be those last few months of spring right before school itself for summer, well, she'll be going into middle school. So we've been with Ryan all of fourth and fifth grade, and we will get to see her begin to transition into being a middle schooler in the next book. So I am actually writing that one right now. I'm already working on book four, um, trying to close it out so that the young people who are in those grades reading the series will have the last book while they're still in elementary and early middle school. That is thrilling. I love it. My little nieces and nephews, are, well, who aren't so little anymore, will love hearing that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm glad to know. Yeah, it's been fun writing a series. I didn't know that I could do this. I'm usually, you know, writing one book at a time, a standalone story. So it's been fun thinking about how to have an arc within the story, within the one book, and then also over the course of the series to watch her grow and watch her friends and relationships develop too. So I've been having a lot of fun with this series. 
one of the other things I was thinking about as I read the book is that this is a nice transition from picture books uh, where they're big and they're a whole page or sometimes two page pictures to the Ryan Hart series has we've moved into juvenile fiction. Is that really our category, juvenile fiction? Is that where the Hart trilogy falls? Yes, at, you know, we are saying middle grade mostly, but yeah, I think it definitely is a transitional book for young readers who are wanting to maybe read independently or if they're still being read too, but they're a little more mature and older, they can handle having less pictures. There are some illustrated um, segments in the book, but it's not like you said, a picture book. So it falls in the middle of that rising reader who can maybe read on their own or enjoy it with a, a parent or a loved one who is reading with them, helping them sound out the words and things like that. So it's an early chapter book, early middle grade novel. So I love that you have whole page illustrations and sometimes half page illustrations. It's a great bridge. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I love that we get to see, literally see, not just imagine this black girl with her natural hair, uh, with her family and with her friends. And we see her in Oregon. Uh, that was important to me to have those images alongside the text. So people really get to see Ryan and see what her friends look like and enjoy those moments with her. I love the scenes when she's with her family the most and getting to see all the joy on their faces and the love in, in her family. I think it's important for young people to have images that reflect them, reflect who they are, what they look like. Every book of the Ryan Hart series has a hair scene uh, where the grandmother is doing her hair. <laughs> Yes. I don't know if you've noticed that, yes. right? But in uh, Ways to Make Sunshine, she's getting her hair pressed at some point. We see her in Ways to Grow Love. I think, oh, she's getting braids and um, beads. And in this one, she gets a big Afro puff um, style. I don't know what I'm going to do in book four, but <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure that our girls get to see themselves centered. And yeah, that those scenes, especially the hair scenes, get illustrated in the book. And speaking of scenes and family, I loved when I was reading, I was comparing and contrasting with that other famous Portland girl, Ramona Quimby and her family. Yes. <laughs> and I know that young people, and fourth grade is my favorite year, but that other young people are reading and they're also thinking about that because we're talking about two girls living in different times in Portland, Oregon. Yes, Ramona was such a big part of my reading as a little girl. And I, I loved seeing Click Attack Street in a book. I knew where that street was. My aunt lived around the corner from there in that neighborhood. And so I just, I love that Ramona was from Portland and could absolutely relate to her. I knew the library she was going to visit and all of that, right? So as a writer now, as an adult, when I look back on my childhood, I do wish that I had a book where the girl looked like me, right? There are Black folks in Portland. And so I wanted to have the Ryan Hart series be in conversation with the Ramona series, where you have these rambunctious girls who are full of energy and lots of questions and who are kind of messy. They make mistakes. They're not perfect little girls. Yeah, I think if they lived in the same time, they would be friends. And so I, I'm very honored that you 
said that because I do, I think of Ramona a lot in those books when I'm writing Ryan. And I love that young people are able to read both and make those connections. And you take us places like to Helen Bernhardt's bakery, to Safeway, to different, and you name street names over in the North, Northeast neighborhood. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I really, I, it's also kind of my love letter to Portland. I, some of my books critique Oregon and Portland and, you know, talk a lot about the intersections of race, class, and gender, and I can have a critical eye towards that. But I also equally love Portland and uh, my roots are in Northeast Portland and I went to Vernon Elementary School and there's so much about Oregon that I do love. And so I wanted to also celebrate Portland and name the streets and the Alberta Park, which is that was like my backyard growing up. I played there so much with friends. So, yes, I definitely wanted to honor and celebrate where I come from. And I wanted young people who live here to have those references that they can hold on to and anchor them that I'm not just making I'm making up the story, but the place is very real and the love of the black community in Portland is very real. And I hope that that comes across in the book as a tangible thing that that young people can relate to and see yeah this reminds me of my church, or this reminds me of my block, because um, I know that those places are real. Members of three generations are featured in in this accounting and knowledge is being passed down from one generation to the next. And she, uh, Ryan is taking on some of the attributes of her grandmother, uh, from what I can see. I think it's a very, very interesting read. Thank you. You know, I, I really benefited from having elders in my life who were very hands-on in raising me. So there definitely was close to my mother and, and she had friends and my aunts, um, people at the church who had permission to pull me aside and give me a talking to if I needed it and also love on me and encourage me and nurture me. And so I really wanted to honor uh, the Black family and how we raise each other's kids and how we're all pretty hands-on. Um, that's how I grew up. I always say the neighborhood raised me and Ryan very much is loved. She's so loved by her grandmother and, um, and by her mother, of course. But in this book, especially her mom is rightfully so a little distracted. She's just had a baby and she's now having, you know, she has three children and her husband is working very late. And so she has a lot going on. And so the grandmother is very much a person who kind of steps in and is helping um, nurture Ryan. And I love their relationship. And in a lot of ways, it mirrors the relationship that I've had with elders in my life and with my own mother. The book is called Ways to Share Joy. And I like the fact that even though it's for a younger audience, but your books still are, are reality-based. So a third child is coming to the family. The father is trying, you know, like get himself back on his feet. And, you know, things are a little tight, you know, financially. I, I like that people see that. And yet there still is joy. And I felt that that was an important lesson that she received from her grandparents and somebody who, um, who was raised very close to my grandparents and know what they bring to it. I appreciated that. And I, don't, I just want you to say, if you want to a little bit more about the perspectives on life that the grandmother shared with her. 
She didn't have to stumble through everything. She had somebody who could give her guidance. You know, when you're young and you feel disappointed or angry or sad, it just feels like those feelings are never going to go away. It's the, the a bad day is the worst day when you are 10 years old, right? And so the grandmother has lived. She's lived a life and she understands that tomorrow is going to come. So she takes even the little disappointments as a teaching moment for Ryan to help her push past disappointment and frustration. And she lets her feel those emotions. You know, I definitely don't want young people to walk away feeling like if I'm upset, I have to hold it in and I can't express that. Ryan gets to express it. And then she has a choice to make of what is she going to do with those emotions? And so, yeah, her grandmother is helping her navigate those murky waters of a bad day doesn't have to mean a bad life <laughs> just because you're upset doesn't mean, you know, the whole week now has, you have yeah. to be uh, depressed about it. So she's just learning how to still find joy, even when she doesn't get her way and, and how to still look on the bright side of things. Um, because there is always, I, I feel in my life, at least it's simultaneous. I can, I can write a whole list of things I want to change and things I'm not happy about right now. I can also match that list with a full list of things I'm thankful for and grateful for. And so the grandmother's just trying to help her realize that, yes, this bad moment has happened and also not, but, and also these great things have happened and we can hold both of those at the same time. Something so important, just as you're about to go into adolescence and all things get jumbled up in your mind, in your life. So I feel that that's a very important point and a very important thing to show for young people so they know, oh, yeah, okay. You know, I wrote this book during the the lockdown of the pandemic when we were in the very, like, beginning of quarantine. And I remember a lot of people were asking, are you going to write about quarantine? Are you going to put COVID in your books? And I'm like, no. I'm definitely not going to do that. But I the, the idea of feeling like things are falling apart or feeling overwhelmed with fear, um, not knowing what's going to happen next, friendships changing, everything changing because you can't see the people who you usually see all the time. Those kinds of themes run through the book where Ryan is learning how to deal with real life, right? And even though she's 10, Real life is still happening to our 10-year-olds and to our young people. And sometimes as adults, I think we forget that they are experiencing the same thing we are. They're just reacting to it in a different way. So I was hoping to also um, give an outlet and maybe an example for young people of what they can do with their sadness and, and their uncertainty and anxiety around life not turning out the way you want it to. Um, through this character who is experiencing very different circumstances than COVID, but is experiencing loss and change and things not going her way and lack and struggle, poverty, all of that. Um, so yes, I'm hoping that young people can pull from Ryan's example of how to keep going. Ways to share joy is really a very, very interesting book. I sit down to start and read it, and I finished it in one day. What I like about it, the issues that are in it, but the illustrations by Andrew Gray are, uh, how did you go about coordinating 
the story to be relative to his illustrations in there. It's really a tremendous work of art. So I have to say, um, I, I too am very impressed with Andrew. Originally, if you go back to the first two books, Nina Mata is the illustrator of the first two. And so she's the person who actually designed what Ryan and her family and friends look like and wasn't able to be with us on this third book. And so Andrew came and basically mimicked Nina's work and, and made sure his illustrations stayed true to how we had already presented Ryan um, to readers. And so, yeah, I'm in awe of any illustrator because I cannot draw at all. So I'm always so moved when I get the illustrations and, and see what people have put to my words. Um, yeah, and I, I just, again, love the representation of this Black girl getting to be um, her Black self with joy and her hair and her family and her friends. And these moments where she's just free, you know, I really love those images in the book where we get to see her just existing and taking up space as is. Um, it's, it's really nice. So yes, I love uh, the artists who I've been paired with and love the cover, like everything about how Ryan looks, I was very happy about. One other question, you, you're gonna be on a tour or, or how are you t uh, taking care of that? Are you gonna appear here in Portland or, and if so, when and where? Yes, I am going on a book tour to celebrate the Ryan Hart series. You know, the first book came out in 2020. So I've not been out on the road with this book yet with any of the, the series. And so I'm very excited to meet readers. I will be at Powell's Bookstore. I believe it's October 1st. Um, you can check my website to get the details of that. And I'll be doing author visits at select schools in the community um, in partnership with Green Bean Books. So I'm very, very excited to return to Portland and to share the book with the young people who I'm really writing for. So I, I'm going to go to Vernon and say hello to the Vernon students <laughs> there. And they have the book. And so I'm very excited to meet them and celebrate Ryan there. I love it. You're going to go to Vernon. I am. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to, uh, to be back in that school. That is the school where I, I started. You know, I share this story often. When I was in the second grade, I wrote a 21-page story which I wasn't an assignment. I just did it at home, but I brought it to school and shared it with my teacher. And she said she read it, which bless her heart for that. And she told me, I think you're going to be a writer one day. You should keep writing. And she got me a journal. And I remember taking that journal home and being so happy and writing in it, um, poetry, stories. And so I, I have a very deep love for teachers and especially for Vernon, because I feel like that is where I started finding my voice. Well, I just have to say, you are the busiest woman in publishing. You, okay, you have just come back from an overseas publicity tour. And I would like you to just tell us a little bit about that. But also, when you come to town, you're going to be talking about another book that you've just finished. So could you bring us up to date on these two things? Sure, yeah. I was in the UK. I went to London and I went to Scotland, um, Edinburgh and Glasgow to celebrate the UK editions of some of my books. So piecing me together, some places more than others, 
Watch Us Rise and the Ryan Hart series. They're all over in the UK. And so I got to meet readers there who are reading the book, met a beautiful young woman named Sade who has her own magazine. She's 12 and she has a magazine <laughs> dedicated, yes, right? Dedicated to um, people of color and, and stories about um, young people of color. And so she's interviewed me a few times, but it's all been virtually. So it was great to meet her in person and have afternoon tea. Uh, with her and her mom. So yeah, you know, I love, I am so grateful that books, that words are literally taking me around the world and that I get to travel doing what I love, talking to educators and parents and young people about their voice having power, asking them what their stories are um, and talking about issues that I think matter to me, matter in the world. So yes, I did not know that as a writer, I would get to live this life. I had no idea that writers go on these kinds of tours and, and travel the world. So I feel very grateful. And I try to tell young people all the time, there's so much more um, <laughs> for you. If you just keep going and keep pushing and keep asking questions and finding out what you love to do and figure out how to, how to make a living doing what you love. So it's hard work, but I do love writing and I love meeting people who are lovers of words. And so it's been great being able to share my work. And to your point of the new, the other new book, I was invited to write about Maya Angelou, who is a poet and, you know, the voice of all voices for me. I grew up on her words. I grew up learning how to write poetry by reading Maya Angelou. I remember reciting her poems at Jefferson High School for Black History Month assemblies and classroom assignments. So when Brian Collier, the illustrator, reached out and said, you know, we want I want to collaborate with you and I'm working on this project on Maya Angelou, will you write the text? It was an easy answer to say yes um, to because I know her story so well already. She's such I never met her, but she was such a mentor to me. Uh, and I really feel like one of the reasons why I'm a writer is because she existed. Uh, she paved the way literally, but also just. Spiritually, I feel like I've learned so much from her example of perseverance and speaking of joy. You know, I love her quote about not being able to count the tears or the laughter that she's had so much of both. So that is a running theme in my work and in my life. So I was so honored to tell her story and to collaborate with Brian. So that is a picture book. And to honor the poet, I chose to tell it in verse. So it's a series of poems that take the reader through Maya Angelou's life from her childhood to um, the inauguration of Bill Clinton is where we stop the story. And yeah, I'm excited to introduce young readers to her and just to honor her story with adults who loved her too. Could you read the first poem? Yes. Let me pull it up. My Angela was a fellow Arkansan. She grew up about 78 miles from where I grew up. I've drawn, driven through her town, Stamps, Arkansas. Whenever she came to Portland and I had the money, I went to see her and hear her. And once I had a student who would come to our after-school program at church. And she told me that she was my Angela's great niece and that if I was going to hear her, she would introduce me. And I thought the little girl was making it up. But when I went that night, I took a chance and I went 
and stood backstage, which is what the little girl told me to go backstage. And I stood there and I told the guard who I was and why I was there. And sure enough, he knocked on the door and she was expecting me. So I actually got to hug her and talk to her. She's a lot taller than she <laughs> looks like she is. But it was such a pleasure to be in her presence. That is such a beautiful story. I, I feel like I've been collecting all these stories from folks when they find out that I've written this book about her. Everyone has a Maya story, you know, even, even if they didn't meet her, or if they did, I feel like everyone has a story about their first encounter with her, uh, either through her books or through meeting her in person. I, I love that story. And I'm, I'm so glad that you got to meet her. I'll read from the first beginning of the book. April 4th, 1928. Marguerite Annie Johnson was born on an ordinary day, a St. Louis Wednesday caught between winter and spring. Her papa Bailey loved her so. Her mother Vivian loved her too. Her brother Bailey Jr. loved her most. He called her Maya. She's Maya's sister, Maya's new best friend, Maya favorite person in the whole wide world. A black girl born in a world that didn't love black girls, born in a nation divided, white folks over here, colored folks over there. A black girl born crying like all babies do. Hush now, Maya's mother whispered. Shh, Papa said. But her brother, he didn't mind the noise at all. Bailey let Maya cry as long as she needed. He thought maybe his baby sister was trying to tell him something. Figured a baby girl crying so much, so loud, must have something to say. Beautiful. So that is how we meet Maya and her brother and her family. And then we go into her, this baby that's crying with this, this cry that annoyed the family that they talked about often as I was doing research, um, what that voice ended up doing in the world. So I'm, again, very honored to tell her story and excited about young people getting to, to meet her, not just as this grand poet, but as a little girl who went through a lot of painful things in her childhood and found a way to persevere and push through and heal. Um, so I'm hoping that that inspires young people who can relate to her story. Well, it looks like we've come to the end of another wonderful interview with the, with the gracious and glorious Renee Watson. It's always such a pleasure for us to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming back. Thank you for having me. Well, we'll see you next month, the month of October. This is Emma Jackson Ford saying... Bye-bye. This is Patricia Hill-Welch, Library Lady, saying, talk to you soon. An O.B. Hill community story. I will be there in this historical signing event.